Pete, of course, the host, uh, 710WOR Sports Zone. Six to nine, you can hear him every single weeknight. Uh, WOR, home of the Mets, and you can find him on Twitter at PDMACWOR. Pete, how are you tonight? I'm good. What's going on, Greg? Not much, not much. Just kind of licking my wounds a little bit after that tough Packer loss, man. I'll tell you, that was a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I, thought oh, I was going to be man. licking a lot more wounds if the Jets had lost to Cleveland. They're down 13 and a half. Oh. But, uh, probably, probably a little more painful to go down the way that you did today late. That's true, but it would have been equally as painful if you had lost to the previously <laughs> winless Cleveland Browns. But we're here to talk a little baseball with you. Of course, we got the World Series game number five just about to start here on Fox. And, of course, we'll talk a little bit about the Mets. And uh, that's where we'll start. Uh, you know, the season, it came to a close. It was a little less exciting than it was last year with the 3 nothing loss to the Giants in the wild card game. But in your, your mind, Pete, would you consider this season a success with all the adversity, adversity they had to go through, the high expectations this team had, the whole thing? Would you view this season as a success, uh, kind of putting in, factoring in all that, that went down this entire season? Yeah, I think you see, you know, the building of a winning mentality within the franchise where so many things go against them, and they're 60 and 62 at one point this season, yet they're able to persevere win 27 of their final 40 games, find themselves not only in the playoffs, but able to get that first wild card spot and host a wild card game, despite, you know, missing so many of their young pitchers that they were counting on. Uh, so in that way, yes. You know, in the other way, I, I just, I look at the season as this was a, a championship opportunity with what the opening day roster was. And, you know, there were some flaws to this team. It's not as if they were perfect or better than the Cubs, but um, I, I just, you look at this season to me and say, man, if they had been able to stay healthy, it's not anybody's fault. It's just one of those things, but uh, this is a team that could have made a run. Look at what the Indians are doing. The Mets, I, I don't know if they have an Andrew Miller, but the way that Addison Reed and Jared Familia uh, pitched out of the pen in the regular season, it, I would have been curious to see them in a longer series if they had, um, you know, won the division and, and made it that far, which, you know, might have been possible had uh, some of the pitchers <clears throat> stuck around. So, you know, in that way, it's just, you know, it's a missed opportunity, and you hope that they're able to put together another championship caliber team next year, and, and we have those high expectations again. Yeah, and you mentioned Addison Reed, and boy, I'll tell you, uh, we talked, my, my roommate and I, we did a radio show, uh, this, this radio station in Long Island, we interviewed Nelson Figueroa, and he was ranting and raving about Addison Reed, and how could you not, Pete, because he was absolutely incredible uh, from what he was last year to this year, it was basically night and day, uh, just talk a little bit about the success he was able to have, and what you really saw kind of changing in him that made him so successful this year. Right through strikes, and uh, he was able to get strike one so consistently this year. He's never behind in the count. He didn't have a whole lot of innings where, you know, there are men on base and you're sweating it through. You know, Jared's familiar in the regular season. Wasn't, I mean, he had a very good season, but you were sweating a lot when he was out there on the mound. It felt like the eighth yeah. inning with Addison Reed, it was locked down all year. And I think that was what was so amazing is, you know, by, as the year went on, you were just like, all right, eighth inning is going to be good. You're going to sweat a little in the ninth. But if the Mets had the lead after seven, you feel really good about it. And I think it's been a long time since uh, the Mets had that kind of combination in their pen. Absolutely. And speaking of Jerry Familia, are you confident in him going forward as the closer? Or do you think they need to bring in maybe a Canley Jansen or somebody like that to come in and, and be that closer and have – maybe Familia be the eighth-inning guy and, and Reed be the seventh-inning guy. Do you, do you like Familia at the end of the bullpen, or is it 
somebody else that maybe they should bring in. I do. I think Familia has, you know, elite stuff. Uh, I think this year he was living outside of the strike zone a, a lot, and that would get him in trouble. Like John Franco, you know, 15 years ago would, you know, try to make guys chase and was generally pretty good at it. But if they didn't chase, you end up with a lot of base runners and blocks and all that kind of thing. And, you know, that's kind of what Familia dealt with this year. Uh, as far as what happened in the wild card game, he gave up one home run the entire regular season. I'm not going to look at what happened in the wild card game and say there's a problem there. Uh, generally, the home run hadn't been a big issue for him. He's shown the ability to pitch on the big stage. Obviously, what he did last year in the division series and the championship series. Uh, so, you know, I, I would stick with Familia as the closer. But I think the bullpen is always something you're looking to um, improve if you want to have a long postseason run. Uh, I think over the last few years, the best bullpen wins every series. It just seems to be the way that it shakes out. And yep. you look at what the Royals did last year, what the Indians are doing this season. So for the Mets, you know, I don't think they have to sign Jansen. I think there are other issues on the roster that they need to take care of before you start looking at that. But if they're in good shape and leading the division, when you get towards the trade deadline, there's almost always one of these big closers floating around, whether it's Aroldis Chapman, Andrew Miller, Mark Melanson this year. Go get one of those guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you want to have a deep postseason run, you need to be at least three deep with lockdown relievers. Uh, And, you know, Terry Francona has really unleashed a blueprint, I think, that every manager should be following in October's future. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point you bring up. And and I hate that Familia gets a bad rap about how he can't perform in the postseason, of course, after the the latest stumble, giving up that home run to Connor Gillespie. And people fresh in their minds want to think that back to the World Series, yeah, he gave up that home run to Alex Gordon. There were a couple other saves, opportunities that he didn't convert because of the shoddy defense that the Mets had on the infield. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, man, this guy can't perform in the postseason. But, you know, like you mentioned, you look back to the division series, you look back to the – the championship series, and he was very, very good for this team. And I do like him as well going forward as the closer. We're talking again to Pete McCarthy, 710 WOR Sports Zone host, uh, 6 to 9. You can hear him every single week. Now, he doesn't just talk Mets, he talks Jets, Giants, everything on there. And OR is great to listen to. And now, Pete, looking at this 2016 season, just kind of looking back one more time. In your mind, who would be the MVP for this season? Because, you know, I kind of think about it, and there's a lot of different candidates. We touched on it in Addison. Reed, who was locked down in the eighth, familiar with the 51 saves in the regular season, setting a franchise record. You have Azdrubal Cabrera, what he was able to do. Cespedes is always in the mix. Uh, Reyes coming over. In your mind, who would be the MVP for this team from this past season? Yeah, I'm not going to overthink it. I mean, the MVP is Ioannis Cespedes. Uh, his production, unbelievable. And, you know, the timing of some of his hits with just uh, – remarkable this season where he was able to, you know, pull some games out for the Mets that, you know, otherwise they're just not capable of winning. So MVP has to be you want to assess that is, but if I'm going to reach a little bit, um, yeah, you know, reach the real a little bit. Have some fun with it. player. Yeah. The real heart and soul player of this team became as Cabrera and his mm-hmm. grittiness, toughness, uh, playing through a knee injury all season long. He played steady, solid defense at shortstop. Uh, he, was unbelievable over those final 40 games offensively and, you know, hit over 20 home runs. He was phenomenal. And I think that he really became, you know, a leader by example type. And if there's any one player to credit for the final 40 that the Mets played and the run they were on, it was his Google Cabrera. I mean, it looked a couple of times like his season might be over when you know, he crossed home plate uh, in late July and he, he couldn't put any weight on his knee and is basically, you know, carried off the field down the tunnel 
Um, and he was able to come back a few weeks later. And, you know, every once in a while he'd slide into a base or, or you know, go back on a pickoff play or whatever it was. And you could see him, you know, in great pain, grimacing, trying to stretch out that knee, doing whatever he could. I mean, he played through a lot of pain over those final few weeks. And I bet that some of his teammates certainly noticed. And uh, he was uh, – he was just so important uh, to, you know, the run that the Mets had in order to make it to the postseason. Yeah, real gutsy New York-like performance out of uh, Drew Cabrera. He was terrific this year. So, Pete, let's, let's, look, let's look to the future now. Let, let's look to the offseason. You know, you, you bring Reyes back. The Mets, they, they had to do that. He was so good this year, bringing him back. And, of course, you don't like the circumstances. You have to bring him back. You, got, you had to bring him back. Uh, regarding but you know he's coming back again and he was effective this year you know jay bruce he's got the option for next year the you, you, what do you do with cologne and salas and blevins and cespedes and walker they're all free agents and then you look at what what do you do with david wright so in your mind what do the met what should the mets do in this offseason and what do you think they'll end up doing what will sandy actually end up doing because i know that could be two different trains of thoughts there sure well a number one is find out what's going on with Yolanda's test, but as he's going to opt out, yeah, it's kind huge. of a no-duh anyway, uh, but now we know it for sure. Uh, and I think a lot of it depends on just what the market is going to be for him. Last year, no teams wanted to go long-term for him, but it was also a different kind of market. You had Jason Hayward and Justin Upton who got the long-term deals, and now Yolanda's test, but is clearly the top free agent available, and especially the top uh, slugger available uh, in free agency. So, if there's a team like the Angels or the Giants or the Marlins that want to make a big splash and add a big bat, he's going to be at the top of their list. So uh, you're probably not going to get him back on the same kind of deal that you set up with him last year. But, you know, does a team jump out and offer six years, $150 million and, and just blow the top off the thing? Or, you know, are the Mets able to hang around and, you know, you prefer a four-year deal for him, but considering – the options to replace him, I mean, I think they got to be a little flexible. And if they got to go to five, you got to you got to find a way to, you know, get him back. Because I'm looking at the other options, and you know, maybe Dexter Fowler would be a fit in center field. He's a switch hitter, but you're not going to have that one guy hitting third or fourth that you know really scares the opposition. You'd be pretty solid one through seven without Cespedes, but. You know, that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, carry the way, you know, for a team that wants to win a tough division with Washington and go all the way to a championship. So Cespedes is number one. You know, absolutely make the qualifying offer to Neil Walker. That'll be your first thing. You know, you bring back Jay Bruce, at least for the option, and then depending on what happens with Cespedes, you can deal him. Uh, if you re-sign Cespedes, you can even consider dealing Michael Conforto. I think the kid's going to hit. I think he's good. Uh, but yeah. you know, if you're going to have them blocked in left field and, you know, you have Bruce and Granderson and right, uh, you know, potentially Granderson center, I guess as well, you know, where is Conforto going to fit in? So uh, they got to figure that out. They got to figure out catcher. Do they stick with Travis Darno? Wilson Ramos coming off a big injury now. So, you know, he's not the greatest option though. He would have fit in very nicely otherwise. Um, and then as far it as it would be nice not to have I mean, to play against him left. because he kills the Mets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that that helps too. Um, you know, they get yeah. Freddie Freeman while you're at it, right? Um, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, that would I be mean, great. Just, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, Cespedes is the first domino that has to fall, and then I think you know we'll have a better idea of where the Mets can go. But it gets it gets real interesting if they don't land Cespedes because 
are they willing to go out and try to trade for an Andrew McCutcheon if he became available or, you know, Arizona has a new front office. Would they look towards the future and, and potentially move a guy like Paul Goldschmidt? I mean, those are the only two right-handed bats that I can think of that can potentially become available that come close to rivaling what Cespedes gives you. Yeah. Pete McCarthy, 710 WR sports zone host. You can hear him six, to 9 p.m. every single day. Kind enough to join us here on the Word with G, the Blog Talk Radio, the WRSP Radio, the whole thing. Here for a couple of minutes talking Mets. And, you know, you, you mentioned Cespedes. Obviously, in the Mets' mind, that's A number one. We have to see what happens with Cespedes. And in, in your mind, what would be the most money, most years? Because I heard you talking on, on your show on Friday. I was listening a little bit to your podcast. And you were kind of throwing out some, you know, teams might throw out some big numbers like the Angels, or, or somebody else, maybe the Yankees or, or the Washington Nationals, how high do you think the Mets go? How high do the Mets go? Uh, Sandy Alderson yeah. does not like giving out the long-term deals, which I, I think is the, the proper way to, to go about it and to build. So maybe four years, $100 million is uh, around the cap. I think that's the fair market value on UNSS for this. And you start going beyond that, you might be overpaying a little bit. But again, considering – the lack of options and maybe Sandy, you know, I'm sure he sees things that I don't, but I, I don't see too many other, you know, great options where I, I think you kind of, you have to, you know, be flexible with you on but it's and maybe overextend yourself a little bit because there's not another free agent out there that comes close to doing what you on does. And Edward Encarnacion, you know, he could play first base, right-handed bat, a little bit of power, obviously, but he's older. How long would you have to go on him anyway? He's probably in line for a three-year deal, maybe four, and he'll be, you know, locked up into his late 30s. So, I mean, I don't, I don't see another easy option for the Mets besides Cespedes. He's just, he's done it in New York. Uh, it's fit. He's been productive. He seems to like it here. And, you know, uh, I, I understand the Mets will probably draw a line in the sand somewhere, but if they have to go five years, 125, uh, unless there's a better option, I'm missing. I think they got to do it. Yeah, I, I hear you. And Fowler, you mentioned 30, Encarnacion 33, and, and I heard you mention Bautista on your show on Friday, and he's 36. So there's not much out there for the Mets unless they want to trade for a Goldschmidt or somebody like that. But last one on the Mets here, Pete. Um, you know, could you see a situation where David Wright moves across the diamond and tries to kind of transition to playing first like his good buddy Ryan Zimmerman has, and then maybe they get into a platoon situation with him and Duda or him and Loney, somebody like that, you know, a left-to-right combination at first base? I don't. I don't think first base would be any easier on his back. Uh, you know, we know he has to make that bare hand play running in, which he's very good at. He handled it well this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but at first base, you're stretching, you're reaching. He'd be, he'd have to learn the footwork, which would take a lot of practice. And you know, how, yep. how often can he be out there in the field, even in spring training to learn a new position? So uh, I don't see a whole lot of benefit for him moving across the diamond, not, you know, with the problem being his back. Um, so uh, I know throwing has been an issue for him as well, and it could alleviate some of that. But considering, you know, the amount of work he has to put in, he just he physically, you wonder, I guess, uh, how much work he physically can put in as much as he wants to work, and that's always been his M.O. You know, you, you have to rest that back often, as we saw this past year before, you know, he was knocked out for the season. So, I mean, he, he's just a huge question mark going into this year, but, uh, with Reyes coming back, you know, the Mets, they have themselves, uh, you know, a, a nice backup option in case it doesn't work out again for David. 
Yeah, there's a lot going on in the Mets infield that has to be sorted out this offseason. Again, we're talking with Pete McCarthy of 710 WOR. And now let's move to the World Series quickly, the last couple ones here. The Tribe, they're up 3-1. to one. What has been, in your mind, the biggest success, the biggest reason for success for Cleveland has it been the balanced lineup, the starting pitching, you know, Francona and his bravado of bringing Andrew Miller whenever he sees fit and using the bullpen the way he does. What's been the biggest reason that Cleveland's been able to be this successful and be up three games to one with an opportunity tonight, Pete, to bring home another championship to Cleveland? I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Yeah, it's the pen. They haven't blown a lead all off season, all postseason. You, you yep. do that, I mean, you're pretty unbeatable. And the way they've used Andrew Miller has been fantastic. Uh, the way Andrew Miller has handled it, where so many of these guys are, well, I pitched the ninth inning. This is what I'm used to. If it's a tie game, I don't get the same adrenaline. Or, you know, we, we've seen that from certain guys in the past. They get accustomed to a role. And, you know, Miller's not like that. I mean, he's willing to pitch in different roles. He's willing to throw a lot of pitches, come back the next night. Uh, he's got the long-term security with the contract he signed with the Yankees not long ago. So he made his money and feels pretty good about it. And, my goodness, uh, I've never seen a, a reliever able to just put his team on his back, you know, the way that Andrew Miller has. We don't think of relievers in that way. But once Cleveland gets a lead on you, it's game over, uh, at least, you know, once you get past six innings or so. You know, Trevor Bauer, I remember watching, I think it was game one, he throws six innings, goes out for the seventh, and lets the leadoff man on, gets taken out of the game, and he gets a standing ovation. I'm like, you know, six-plus innings, standing ovation. That seems like a lot, but – because of how good that bullpen is, that's all you got to do. Just get through six, and they're going to take it from there. And, you know, not just Miller, but uh, Shaw and Cody Allen, those guys have been ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, this is what you've seen in the past. The Royals last year, even two years ago, uh, I think, you know, Madison Bumgarner's not coming out of the pen in game seven for the Giants. You know, the Royals were winning in 2014 as well. And the best bullpen wins mm-hmm. once you get to the postseason is a different kind of game. And, you know, the Indians, uh, I think, really figured something out and really, you know, showed a, a new blueprint for teams to follow with the way they've handled it this October. Yeah, Francona has been very interesting the way he's used uh, Miller. It's been fun to watch, I'll tell you that. All right, let's move into the Cubbies quickly. Uh, you know, Lester Bauer tonight, one game at a time for the Cubbies. Obviously, that's their mentality. You can't look at winning three games in a row to win the World Series. You've got to win one game at a time. What needs to change for the Cubbies to get them back into this World Series? Who needs to step up? What needs to happen in your mind for the Cubbies to make an attempt at coming back in this World Series? No, the lineup's got to get it going. They've got to find the long ball. They've got to beat up on a starting pitcher. They've got to try to jump out to a big lead. You know, they took a one nothing lead last night, and then – they don't score again until the late innings when the Indians have already put up, I think it was seven unanswered. So, you know, they got to jump out against these starting pitchers because you do not want to be even down one nothing after six innings against this team. Uh, so, you know, that lineup's got to figure it out. You know, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, these guys have to, you know, find, find that power, find the long ball. This is what they did all season long. And I think that's the biggest thing for the Cubs. And, you know, they have the right guy on the mound tonight, John Lester. He won't be, uh, you know, intimidated by the situation that the Cubs find themselves in tonight. That's absolutely right. Last one. Do you believe in curses? Um, No, I don't. But I hope the Cubs won last forever. I mean, why not? Or at least until one of my teams (laughs) wins, right? I mean, I'm Mets, Dallas, Nick. I was too young for 86, so I've gone like 100-something seasons without seeing a team win a championship. And I didn't have the Blackhawks winning three times over the last five years. Or so I didn't have Michael Jordan growing up. So, 
know what? Cubbies fans, get out of here. I mean, they, they got it pretty good there in Chicago. You know, Bears kind of stink, but otherwise they'll be all right. So uh, I don't believe in curses, but if there is one on the Cubs, I don't want to see it changing anytime soon. Yep, <laughs> I hear you. And I, uh, I, no, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Better. I mean, yeah, you're right. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I want to see some of my teams win too. I mean, I'm a Mets. Knicks Packers fan and the Packers have been really my only good team to follow and the Mets you know until recently yeah, you got one. haven't been so good yeah I've, I've got two actually for the Packers yeah 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 you got two I did yeah no, I'm uh, I'm 20 going to be 27 in December so I yeah I was I was a toddler but I I do remember that game and I remember crying the next year when they lost to Elway <laughs> and the Broncos all right, all right. See, you got your bonus five. But, yeah, I just want one. And then, you know, I'll retire. I'll be done with sports. You know, I'll, I'll go out like Elway did, uh, you know, one of those games. But um hasn't happened yet. It's not happening with the Jets. Yeah. You know, sometimes. Oh, God, no. Not, not for a little while. <laughs> yeah. All right, Pete. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Again, you know, Pete McCarthy. You can find him at PDMAC. W-O-R on Twitter, all the good stuff there. You can find his podcast on WOR.com. Just search for the Sports Zone. And, of course, he's the 710 WR Sports Zone host. You can hear him 6 to 9 every single weeknight. If you're in New York City driving around in your car flipping on, man, they, they talk all Mets. You know, I, I was a big-time fan guy, but, you know, they don't talk as much Mets as you guys. So I've, I've always uh, listened to you, and, uh, and I really enjoy it. That's the strategy. Thanks for having me on tonight, Greg. Have fun. Have a good one, all right? Of- Of course. You too, man. Be good.